What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We got Jays jumpers, Jaron Jackson Jr., John Morantz, Joe Johnson, Ja Raps, of course. We've got Jays. We got him for days. Josh, how are you doing? You know, I guess Caitlin Clark just kind of woke up and decided, oh, what else can I add to my resume? Hmm. Let me go hit a game winner against the number two team in the country. That seems like a good idea. Haven't done that one yet. Yeah, I'm not going to act like I watched the Iowa-Indiana game. But I also, when I saw that she did that, like I saw people tweeting things like, first of all, it's weird to tweet something basically like, it's fun to watch Caitlin Clark be be visibly frustrated. Like I saw somebody tweet that. That's a weird thing to tweet, first of all. Mm -hmm. But um like, I don't care if you're an Indiana fan. That's a weird thing to tweet. But then I saw that they won and she hit a game winner. I was like, okay, like, that's that that tweet didn't age well. But, uh, yeah, there's not a lot of things on the list of basketball things that Caitlin Clark hasn't done. I suppose that was one of them and <laughs> is no right. longer on that list. <laughs> yeah, just, just checking them off casually. And especially in a year where, you know, you lose Paige Beckers if you're women's college basketball to to have her just put on the show that she's putting on. I mean, it's it's something special. She is ridiculously good. Yeah. Which is not news so. to anybody, but you know. Part of a jam packed college hoops weekend. Um gonna do we're officially we're officially giving in to the temptation of the NCAA tournament on this podcast. With with tournament superlatives, and we'll explain in further detail as we go along. We've got a bunch of different categories, 10 different categories, I believe, that will assign a team or player or coach to. Including awards. Including awards, which is like, I guess it would be the award watch list, right? Yeah, right. Like, I guess it's, our, it's, our, yes, pick, it's, our, it's our pre-tournament picks for the award. Yeah. Right, because right, because right. like class superlatives are given out at the very end of the year. Right. This would be like right. giving out superlatives before the year starts. <laughs> yeah, these are predictions. Pre, yeah, kind of preseason picks. <laughs> yes, preseason picks on February twenty seventh. I think that's how we should <laughs> we should uh, market the podcast. Oh, absolutely. Preseason yeah. predictions that'll make yeah. a ton of sense. But yeah. we'll explain further in a moment but it is a monday morning that means it's time for winners and losers josh who's your winner <laughs> welcome back to the program north carolina yep <laughs> i yep. mean we found got the quad the two, one win we did it right got two wins got the quad one win mm-hmm. neither notre dame nor virginia scored more than 63 points on them that's at least something to monitor in terms of has this team actually figured something out mm-hmm does a win against Notre Dame deter, you know, indicate you figured something out? No, probably not. Does a win over Virginia at this moment in time indicate you figured something out? Maybe. Mm. But, you know, Virginia has not been great of late. So I'm not putting too much stock into this yet, but I continue to hold on to my belief. If they can just get in, who knows what happens because they've been there before and they've done this before. Are they as good as last year's team? No, I'm We've talked about this. I'm in agreement with you. I still don't want to play them if they end up as, you know, a 11 or 10 seed or something. Mm-hmm. Just because they figured this out last season. We haven't had the, right, the, the surge 
where you go, oh, they're actually playing really good basketball over a two-month stretch. But maybe they're just going to get a little late late kickstart here. Maybe they fall back down after this. But, right, they got the quad one win. Uh, a big week to just move them in the right direction. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens next because who knows. <laughs> Um, they're going to come up later in this podcast. So I'll, I, I agree with all of those things, but they're going to come up later. So I'll save okay. the majority of my thoughts for that, but they are also my winner because they, they kept their NCAA tournament hopes alive. They needed to beat Virginia and they did. Mm-hmm. So we can keep talking about North Carolina the, the next couple weeks because they maintained a spot in the, in the conversation with, uh, with a win like that. Who's your loser? New Mexico. New Mexico. It is not every day when you are New Mexico, you get to play two teams that are currently 16th and 26th in Ken Palm. When you are in need of high-quality wins, to really boost your resume and get yourself from one side of the bubble to the other. Mm-hmm. New Mexico lost to Boise State and San Diego State by a total of seven points. That might, I mean, that might have been it. Mm-hmm. Because they had been trending in the wrong direction, and now they play two teams that are under 500 to end the regular season. Now, could they want to run in? Right, right. You've got a conference tournament. You're going to probably see some of these teams again. Maybe they can you know, turn this around if, if things fall right for them. Mm-hmm. But that was, that was your opportunity to undo a lot of the damage that's been done to their resume. If you could have at least gotten one of those two games against two teams that are the metrics, obviously love they're having really good seasons and to come close twice, but not close enough, put you in a, a really tough spot. And again, for a team that's not going to get, that many, it's not like you're going to be able to roll through a conference tournament picking up quality win after quality win, right? You're going to get some opportunities because the top of the conference is good. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to see one of these teams or somebody similar again if you win the games you're supposed to. But that was that was the opportunity in the regular season, and it, it slipped away from New Mexico. Yeah, it's tough to be to be that close to really kind of changing the the arc, and now you're just like. And, and I know that we're not supposed to take into consideration that, that the committee doesn't really care, like if it was a conference game or not a conference game, like they're just games. But the optics of being seven and nine in the Mountain West are just not great. <laughs> they just aren't. And and what comes with that, right? You, they, they say committee doesn't care whether it's a conference one or not, but like also you you play some not great teams and, conference play and if you lose those games they're they're impactful i mean and when you go down their losses right there there are three losses that you that really stick out as ooh, that's not good right the fresno state loss at the beginning of january and then the air force and wyoming losses back to back in the middle of february those are the two because your other losses right are and then unlv isn't great either those back-to-back losses in the beginning of January. But the other ones are Nevada, who was 33rd at Kempom, Utah State 36th, uh, Nevada again, and then, like you said, 16th and 26th, uh, Boise State and San Diego State. So it's not like like the Mountain West is 
it's just a quality conference. Right. Mm-hmm. But there's but it's also not the Big Ten, right? right? Like there are teams in the Big Ten. Actually, I'm just gonna say that and not be totally sure if I if that's true. But like, you know, there are teams like Penn State is eight and ten in the Big Ten and still in the like they're on the wrong side. They're probably in the next four out at this point, but they've been in that conversation for a long time and they're eight and ten. Wisconsin probably in the tournament right now. At least, you know, also in that bubble conversation, first four right. and last four out, also eight and ten. It's just different, right? Um, so it's it's not like being seven and nine in, you know, the Missouri Valley Conference, but it's also you usually can't afford to do that and then also find a way to get yourself an at-large and this kind of put the nail in that coffin the past week or so. Yeah, I can't ever think of an example of – it's a very, very strange resume in that sense. Like the fact that they even made your loser list this right. late in the season being 7-9 and nine, instead of, you know, 9-7 and seven in conference, you know, if they win both of those games, is a testament to how abnormally good that mid-major right. conference is. Yeah, and how good they were in non-conference. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. We don't even have that kind of conversation about, like, the A-10 ever. And that's typically one of those, the mid-major conferences, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Yeah. My my loser is Oklahoma State. This is more about the last couple weeks than it is necessarily about the last seven days. But Mike Boynton's Cowboys have been dancing around the bubble. And they had a really tough stretch that if they get, like, if you get two of this stretch, then you're like, you're feeling fantastic. If you just get one of them, then you're, then you're feeling really, because this is still a team that's in the bubble conversation, even after their, their losing streak, but tough stretch of Kansas, TCU, West Virginia, and Kansas state. The most recent being a five point loss this weekend to Kansas state. And, and they just were, they didn't perform super well in this stretch. So it's not the, it's not like New Mexico where they lost these four games by a combined 11 points or something like the five point loss, I believe was easily the, was easily the best, the, the closest margin of victory. Hold on. I'm looking. Yeah. They lost by, they lost by 11, 25, 19, and then five. So it's not like this was a good, was a good performance the last couple weeks. But it was they put themselves. You know, they were sixteen and nine, seven and five in the Big Twelve. And if you just find a way to go, like, like five hundred would be perfect. But getting one of those big ones, and they have another opportunity tonight against Baylor. And if you you beat Baylor tonight, then you're 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 still very much in the conversation. And losing to Kansas State doesn't take you out of the conversation if you were in it before. But they had this stretch that was an absolute gauntlet but you were kind of hoping they'd find a way to grab one of these games. They've dropped 14 spots at Kempom over the last four games as well. Like there's, it's just been a tough stretch and one that if they were able to get one or two games, it would change the, what they needed to accomplish the last you know week of the season and the big 12 tournament. And uh, now things are a little bit more stressful in Stillwater. Yep. They had it. We talked about this when we did all oh, the pressure meter. Mm-hmm. They, it was there. They did the hard part, and then you just had to not mess it up. And now, those four losses, can you consider that messing up? Um, no, you know it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not like they had these terrible losses. But like sure. you said, it's not just the losses; it's the not playing well in those losses. And 
now you're kind of back to square one. You got to do it all over again, starting with with Baylor and through the the Big Twelve tournament to make sure that you don't slip any farther and hopefully give yourself some breathing room. Because mm-hmm. I would I would be really disappointed if they missed the tournament just because of course I'm you know we've talked about Mike Boynton but just this conference deserves at least seven teams in the tournament and somebody's got to take a beating sometimes when you have that schedule you know it it's the reality of having no gimme games in a conference they're the only mm-hmm. it's the only conference that could say that and yeah so you, the good news is you got opportunities always <laughs> the bad mm-hmm. news is you're always playing good teams so it's hard we'll to see, just rack we'll up see what happens. Wins. It's hard to just rack up enough wins. Because Oklahoma <laughs> right. State has done a pretty good job not losing to the teams that they're not supposed to lose to. Right. Like I like you could there there might even be an argument they haven't lost to anybody they weren't supposed to lose to this year. Mm-hmm. Um I mean you can make an argument for like early in the season, like your southern Illinois and UCF losses, like those might end up being the reasons that you don't get into the tournament. Because in Big Twelve play, their losses are Kansas, Texas, Kansas State, Baylor, Texas. Kansas, TCU, West Virginia, and Kansas State. Like, who of those teams were you supposed to beat? The answer is none of them. I mean, the the most likely one to win there is West Virginia on the road, and that's right. That that team's twentieth at Kempom, twentieth. Right. So you're not actually supposed to win that game. Like, that's the only one you can convince yourself that you might be supposed to win. Yeah. Um, they gave themselves work to do it. heading into the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. Did it, and now it's kind of falling back apart. Yeah. Right. Crazy. Crazy how good that conference is. But they're my loser. It's just, it's going to be tough. It's probably going to take a win against Baylor and not losing at, at Texas Tech. And then maybe you might need another win in the tur- in the, the Big 12 tournament because where are they right now? I guess they're pretty deep in that conference. So they probably, they would play like a, a bottom half seed right in the first round of that tournament with, with teams getting buys. They're, they're sixth okay. right now. Or seventh, yeah, seventh. So how right? So you got the bottom eight teams playing. Yeah, yeah. So so three would play ten, four would play nine, and five would play seven. Or sorry, no, three would play ten, four would play nine, nine. eight would would play play five, and six would play seven. So right now they would play Iowa State, which would also be a a good win for you. Even though talk about, I mean, talk about another yeah. team that like somebody has to lose games. I right. mean, Iowa State is seventeen and eleven and eight and eight in conference and twenty fourth at Kempom. Yeah, not, not the same. Good. Not the same win it would have been three weeks ago. But yeah, just a yeah. just a crazy good conference. A crazy good conference. Uh, that's winners and losers. We've got what two more of those? E. Yeah. Sunday is is March twelfth, which is right. So once at the end of the regular season, and mm-hmm. then post conference. Well, or do we have one left? One? Well, I've talked about we have that. one left, right? Because yesterday would have been two weeks from Selection Sunday, and doing a Monday winners and losers would be pointless after Selection Sunday. Right? right. So we would do, yeah. So it would just be after the end of the regular season. Yeah. Yeah. One, one, one more. more. Jeez. How about that? Um, that's winners and losers. We got one more, apparently. There you go. Um, Pre NCAA tournament superlatives. <laughs> We've got 10 of them, and we're going to run through them. Here's the 10. I'll give you the roadmap real quick. The coach under the most pressure, and then our two awards, which is our favorites. Oh, um, yes. The Max Asimus Nuclear Award, 
the 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 motivation here being just the guy that nobody can stop talking about because he's just kind of like he's usually a guy who's been a bucket all season but nobody really knows about him and then he just does what he's been doing <laughs> right. in the tournament the Dante DiVincenzo draft stock award which is like you should if you're watching on YouTube Josh is just like his his the, the corners of his mouth are in his ears right now he's grinning so hard um, but the Dante DiVincenzo draft stock award then biggest wild card, these are teams now, biggest wild card, most annoying team to play, the most likely first weekend upset, lock for Sweet 16, the most likely Cinderella, the national title Dark Horse, and the team most likely to make the final four. We've got 10 of them. We'll run through them, try to do this relatively quickly, but um, let's just hop right in. Josh, who's the coach under the most pressure? You ready for this? I think I'm going to cut you off guard. Maybe not. I think you probably are. I'm Calvin not going to cut you off guard with mine. Interesting. <laughs> That's interesting. Tell me why. I thought you might you might be intrigued by this. I'm just thinking about this from an expectation standpoint. This is going to be a third straight top five Kempom finish. In a season where this thing is wide open and nobody is really convinced by what's you know what's going on at the top of the country right now in terms Mm of you know who who you've got up there and yes i understand right they made a final four clearly he's done a phenomenal job so this isn't pressure in terms of is he going to lose his job or something like that of -hmm. course not but at some point if you're gonna right he's gotten houston to a point where it's as good as any program in the country you're not surprised to see him at number one you expect him to be preseason top five all of those things Mm -hmm. at some point that needs to to translate into not just getting to an elite eight, getting to a final four, but really feeling like you are competing for a national championship. And I have a, and maybe this is unfair. I have a mental hurdle with that with Houston still. Can you take that last step? And maybe part of this is the AAC. Part of this is the way they play. Cause you and I keep harping on this, that I just have questions about teams built this way and whether they can win a national championship. You've got, one of the best guards in the country, right? It's all there on paper. This team is as good as any in the country. Calvin Sampson is a ridiculously good coach. Mm-hmm. Can they actually turn this into going from, oh, look at, I mean, calling them an upstart is not fair, but right. Look at Houston following up a, a really good regular season with a good NCAA tournament run. They're always difficult to play. You know, they're going to show up to, To me, it's time to have, and I, I have a guess as to who your coach is, and it's that kind of pressure of it's time to deliver more than just a deep run, but to be expecting Elite Eight Final Fours, that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. this would go to Mark Few, except for Gonzaga just isn't good enough to have these kind of expectations. So Mark Few has kind of excused himself from this conversation, at least temporarily. Yeah, like because- by definition, that team like by right. advanced metrics and the kind of unofficial definitions of how good you need to be to win a title. Gonzaga doesn't fit that mold this year. Right. If they were what I thought, what we thought they were going to be, this would be a no brainer for me, Mark few. So it's right. kind of a, and well, I'll, I'll save my final thought until you give yours. Cause I think I know who it is. Yeah. We can't do this without talking about Matt Painter. And That's I, what and I, I thought, and I thought you might go a different direction and, so I put Matt Painter here. I actually weirdly think that the pressure on him has gone down in the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. 
because I think there are fewer people that think Purdue can win a national title than there were three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Because right now that team is not good enough to win a title. And that guard play is not good enough to win a title. And so it's a little different, but I still think he's near the top of this list, if not at the tippity top of this list. Um, at some point, you know, I still, like, I, I, will, I will plant my flag in the the people who think Matt Painter has actually failed in the NCAA tournament in any way other than he hasn't gotten to a Final Four, like, like you need, like you need a reality check. Like this team has been the Sweet Sixteen like for the last six years. I'm not sure. Like I'm, I'm not sure people actually understand how hard it is to get to the Final Four. And right at some point, he needs to do it. And you're, it's totally fine to have the hurdle of Matt Painter not being able to get to a Final Four. But that's different than people saying Purdue struggles in the tournament mm-hmm. because Purdue doesn't struggle in the tournament. Purdue is a almost annual, the last half decade, Sweet 16 team. That is not struggling in the tournament. We can talk about teams that actually struggle in the tournament and actually struggle getting past the first weekend on a consistent basis when they're supposed Mm -hmm. to. That's not Purdue. But he's been there enough times, and at this point, like, pressure pressure is a... Pressure is perception. And and right now there's no team, there's no coach that that seems to have more pressure on the national stage right now than Matt Painter when it comes to the NCAA tournament. So he's that's why he's he's there for me. But I do think that it's actually gone down. And if the NCAA tournament were to start tomorrow and they would lose in the round of thirty two, that he would get less flack about it than he would have um, you know, three weeks ago. One hundred percent. And the the other part of this for me, why I went with Kelvin Sampson, by definition, right, if you're expecting to get to a Final Four, you're, you believe that team is one of the top four teams in the country. I know that's not sure. how it works, but that's what you're asking your coach to deliver if you expect a Final Four, right? Mm-hmm. Who, looking at this roster at the beginning of the season, went, that's a Final Four team? Mm. It's a good point. Whereas everybody looked at Houston and said, that's a final four team. Mm. At some point you got to give Matt Painter credit for the pressure he continually creates for himself by getting his teams to overachieve, right? Nobody picked that Carson Edwards team, clearly the best team he's had, at least in a while. Nobody was looking at that team. That team wasn't supposed to win a big 10 title. And then they came, you know, as close as you possibly can to knocking off the three national seconds. champions. Yeah. Three seconds and the ball on the other side of the court. From right. The final four. Yeah. That, it, it, because obviously he does need to make it at some point. It's fair to keep asking the questions. I just – I can only get on Matt Painter so much for that when, A, right, they don't lose in the first two rounds. And, B, mm-hmm. nobody is – it's kind of like the, the Tom Izzo thing of nobody's actually telling you he's got one of the top four rosters in the country. Now, mm-hmm. this at some point this season it looked like he might. And I don't think anybody feels that way anymore with how the guards have struggled recently. So that's the other part of this for me too. When I went with in terms of expectations, that's why I started with that part that everybody knows Kelvin Sampson's got a top five roster in the country. The other part you have to consider is that he does have the best player in the country, or at least the most dominant sure. one. And that is a different yeah, that changes the conversation because that's not typically the case. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a really astute observation that there's a difference between being expected before the season started and creating that expectation throughout the season. I think that's really I think that's really spot on. 
Okay, Matt Painter and Kelvin Sampson, Kelvin Sampson, the two coaches under the most pressure. All right, let's get to the fun ones. The Max A. A. Smith Nuclear Award. Who gets the nod? This might be cheating a little bit because I'm not Did sure. Did you he's say Max make... I almost went with the Max <laughs> A. Smith for it. the Nuclear Award. <laughs> I thought about it. Kind of along the the same lines of, I mean, well, not exactly the same lines. I'm mm-hmm. not sure that, especially after this weekend, I'm not sure this person's going to make the tournament. But they're on the okay. bubble, so I'm counting it. Okay. Jalen well, Pickett. My, okay, yeah, my guy, for what it's worth, my guy for what it's worth is on a team that will only make the tournament if they win their conference tournament. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I like it. If Penn State finds a way to get in, Jalen Pickett is averaging 18 and a half, 7 and 7. He Dude's has the stride. second... He has the second best offensive rating in the Big Ten behind Zach Eady per Kent Palm. This dude is big time. Mm-hmm. And yes, I know he plays in the Big Ten. I know he's gotten headlines a couple times this season because of the stupid numbers he's put up. But I feel like he fits the idea, even though he's a high major player. No one's right? talking it's a t- about State. No one's right, exactly. State. Yeah. Right. It's a team that you don't think about when you think about men's college basketball in the NCAA tournament. If he gets in, I like this Penn State team. I think they can make a little bit of noise, beat somebody, you know, win a first four game, something like that. Mm-hmm. And if they do and they start picking up some momentum, he's going to become a household name because he is one of the best players in the country. So yeah. that was that was my pick and my rationale there. I think you're spot on. I think you're spot on with that. I think he's 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 in this he's in this weird in this weird spot of like high major team, big brand, but also not a very good team and also not a team that is, you know, all that like exciting when it comes to college basketball, but also like a guy who will be a first team, all big 10 guy and will be in the, you know, he's probably won't be an all American, but he, but I'm actually not going to say that definitively because I haven't thought enough about all Americans yet, you know, at this point to, to really know that for sure. Um, but absolutely. If they get in the tournament, he can absolutely be the type of guy who has like a jaw first round type right. stat line where he goes for, you know, 22, 12 and eight or something. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely on the table. hundred percent. I went, I went very much, I went very much Max A. Smith. <laughs> motivation and and to and to honor a guy who plays for Oral Roberts, right? Um I went with Tavion Kinsey. Do you know who Tavion Kinsey is? I can't say I I know much about Tavion Kinsey. Tavion Kinsey is averaging 22 4 and 4.8 and 5.4 for the Marshall Thundering Herd. Okay? Excellent. Marshall is 24 and 7 in a top 80 Kempom team. Marshall is second in the Sun Belt behind Southern Miss, but a game back and better in every single metric except defensive efficiency and just barely than Southern Miss. Marshall is the eighth fastest team in terms of tempo in the country. (laughs) So they're going to put up numbers. If they get to the tournament, and here's the other part, I almost made it him and his backcourt mate, Andrew Taylor, because Andrew Taylor is also averaging 20 a game. They're averaging combined 42 (laughs) points per game. So what you're saying is really this is just the Marshall backcourt. 
It might be the Marshall backcourt, but Tavion Kinsey is the guy who's, who's you know, 20, he's 6'5 guard, 22, 5, and 5.5. Five and, and their their numbers are good enough that they'll end up as like a 12 or 13 seed. Right. And, this, and that's the other part of this, right? I mean, when Oral Roberts did it, they were a 15 seed. Like that is like that is really like, and but I just can't in good faith pick a guy from a, from a 15 seed because I just don't think because I feel like you have to play in multiple games for this thing that for this to happen is that a, is that a fair thing to say probably mm-hmm. because like if you if you score 33 as a 15 you know on a 15 seed on Friday everyone's gonna forget about you by Saturday at four o'clock because there are more right. games to play. You mm-hmm. have to be in the news cycle for 24 hours, 48 hours as people build up to because then all of a sudden you're the guy that dropped 33 on the number two, on a number two seed. And now you get to play a seed that's less than the two seed. Right. Right. You get to play a seven seed. Right. And that and then kind of, you know, the snowball gets rolling. It's like, you know, the deeper you go, like, you know, weirdly enough, if you're a deeper seed or a longer seed. And you beat a good team earlier, you're going to play a worse team in the second round, right? <laughs> um, so I think, like, like they could put up sixty combined in the first round. That would be dope. But also, Tavion Kinsey could absolutely—he's second behind only Isaiah Moore in the um, in the Sun Belt Ken Palm Player of the Year rankings. Um, his last here's his last six games: um, 22, 31, 22, 25. 37, 17. It's pretty impressive. He's got 30-point bombs all over the board. He doesn't shoot the three-point ball a lot, which is interesting. Which, like, part of me kind of wants to go with Andrew Taylor because Andrew Taylor does shoot the the, the long ball (laughs) a little bit more. There's part of me that wants to go with Andrew Taylor. I think you can get both. Andrew Taylor is a 36% three-point shooter. takes seven threes a game. Love it. And then Camden Kerfman is a 40% shooter on eight threes a game. Can I just take the Marshall? Can the Marshall <laughs> Thundering Herd just be, just be, he's also, he's a six one guard. Yeah. I'm taking the backcourt. Yeah. So <laughs> we're just doing, we're just doing the darn thing. But um, I kind of cheated here, but my official answer is, is Tavion Kinsey. I love because it. Because motivated very much by what's a guy that no, that literally no one will have heard of until he has 28 in the first round. You know what we need is we need them to play Iowa State or somebody in the first round. One of those or or Tennessee. What are those defensive teams? Yeah, I'm not sure they're going to be a low enough seed to play Tennessee. But yeah, probably right now. Now this was this was Friday that was most recently updated. But um, Lenardi has Marshall playing. Hold on, I'm sorry. Has the Thundering Herd playing Xavier? That oh, would be fun. I was gonna say, okay, so that's the opposite. That's the yeah. ninety-eight, eighty-eight that's game. The, yeah. yeah, that's the that is the these three guards combined for seventy-seven, and <laughs> right. they won. They won. You know, ninety-eight to ninety-six. Right. That would be lit. I'm actually locked in on that. What <laughs> a five-twelve game that would be. Now you are obligated to pick them in the first round if they I think get you're in. Right. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Okay. The Dante DiVincenzo Draft Stock Award. Who you got? Traquavion Smith. Ooh, okay. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's back end of the first round right now because of the season they've had and the season he's had. 
But if they if this team makes the Sweet 16, which is certainly not out of the realm of possibility, I see that just going up a level. He's he's big time. Now, the, and the team has been way better than anybody thought. You, know, you and I were joking with Brendan Marks before the season about this idea of he's going to be that guy that just you're not paying attention to NC State, but you look up and you go, he dropped 32 again. Mm-hmm. except for now they're actually really good. So it's it's about him, the guards, that team. You know, Kevin Keats has done a great job with this team this season. So I'm really happy he's going to get this opportunity. And I, again, I was, obviously NC State has a great, great men's basketball history and great hit basketball history in general. I, are people really, and I understand, NBA draft scouts are very much aware of him. But just from a public perception standpoint, I think he can have, kind of not necessarily the the nuclear thing where nobody's heard of him before but a oh i can see how this guy's going to be a really good nba player starting to sort of get excitement about your team potentially drafting him from an nba fan standpoint as well so that's my selection yeah i like that i like that you know the 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 one thing that would give me pause about him is just like like divincenzo what DiVincenzo did, and, and I like the pick for what it's worth. What DiVincenzo did was, kind of, I think, kind of show a different level offensively mm-hmm. that year that scouts maybe weren't totally sure he had. Yes. And, like, Turquavion Smith could score 50, and people would have been like, I mean, like, yeah, that's a ridiculous performance. Right. But I knew he could do that. So here's my thought. I do have Hit a thought me. for this. Hit me. To me, it's about it's not about the scoring, it's about the point guard stuff. If Interesting. He, okay, sure, sure, sure. If he is running a really good offense and they look smooth against, you know, the best best teams in the country, and he shows uh now that he's kind of on this grand stage, he shows the ability to run an offense, because that's part of the question at the next level, right? Sure. Is you gotta be you gotta be able to do the point guard stuff. And that's sure. not that's not who he is. So there's my answer to that. Because you're absolutely right. I thought about that too. I think that's totally fair. I think that's. I think that could. Abs- I can absolutely see that happening. Um, tell me if I'm if I'm cheating here. My my Dante Divincenzo draft stock award goes to Nick Smith. I like it. And, he, and here's my thought process. Arkansas, first of all, is all over my scroll tips. By the way, Just we're gonna yeah, we're gonna discuss them more. All, all over my scroll tips. <laughs> but my my thought is. Nick Smith was, before the season started, Nick Smith was, like, the guy behind Scoot and Wembenyama. Like, it was, those two guys are one and two, and Nick Smith is three, right? That was that was the conversation. And I've been clicking through and looking this morning. I've seen Nick Smith no higher than seventh on a draft, on a mock draft, and as low as, like, 11th. He's had 24 and 26 in his last two games. Arkansas almost beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa over the weekend. Like that is a like someone's going to be really really mad that they have to play Arkansas in the second round as a one seed. That's going to be really like someone's going to be really really upset about that because Nick Smith is healthy and that's a good basketball team when Nick Smith is healthy and like I think there's a world in which 
you know, Arkansas gets to the Sweet 16 and then maybe they barely lose. But, like, if they get to the Sweet 16, they beat a one seed already and they're playing a team worse than the one seed. So maybe the maybe the best hypothetical is them getting to the Elite Eight. Maybe they just miss out on the Final Four, but, like, Nick Smith averages 25 in three games that they play or four games that they play. And he kind of rockets himself back into – because I think Arkansas has kind of faded from the national conversation as well. And he's just capable of launching both them and him back into those national conversations. There, I think there's a world he has a, a, a two weeks that launches him back into the, oh, right, this is why we thought this guy was going to be the number three overall pick. And when he's healthy, he should still be in the conversation for number three overall pick. And right, the, the further up you get in the draft, the, the shorter the jump means more. Right. So like the, the equivalent of jumping from 30 to 15 or jumping from 12 to three or 10 to three. Right. Mm-hmm. Is um, in a value in a, in a value conversation, I think at least comparable, even though it's not as many spots. Right. Um, I think he's capable of doing that. And I also just like kind of think he is is going to. I just I just think that Arkansas is going to beat a team that they're not supposed to. At least based on the little number that's next to their name in the bracket. And and if they do, he's going to be why. And then I think we'll kind of get the Nick Smith and draft stock conversations, get the wheels turning again, and um, and he'll end up being like kind of back into that three, four, five conversation in the, in the NBA draft rather than the seven, eight, nine, which is kind of where he seems to be mainly right now. You don't need to convince me about Nick Smith's draft stock. I saw it the first time I watched him. I went, oh, this dude's just different. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. And I, yeah, the injury is unfortunate. I understand why it hurt his stock a little bit. I am right there with you. This is just setting up perfectly for him because he's got, he's, he's back playing well. He's got the, you know, the games under his belt now heading into the SEC tournament. Into a rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And if they go deep in that tournament, if they go deep in that tournament, then we're talking about he's played almost 10 games mm-hmm. before the tournament. And at that, at that point, you're really just kind of back into the swing of things. Yeah. So he's my pick. Like your it. biggest wild card. Arkansas. <laughs> okay. All right. They show up on a different spot. This is not where they, they show up for me. Okay. It's all coming together, just like it always seems to. Now, they mm-hmm. haven't, you know, it's not like they've won 10 in a row or something like that. But they started playing better. Nick Smith came back. Like you said, they just gave Alabama all they could handle. This is still Eric Musselman, the guy who finds a way to get to the Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. They still aren't whole because they aren't going to be, as we've mm-hmm. talked about extensively at different points of the season. I'm I'm still I'm still not 100% confident that they're going to win the games they're supposed to. Sure. To me there is something different about this team than previous renditions of the Arkansas team when it comes to the NCAA tournament. I don't feel as confident I know what to expect, which is why they I, they fit into the wild card category for me because I'm not absolutely terrified of playing them specifically in the first round. But also, if they get going, right. Elite Eight, absolutely. Wouldn't be surprised at all. Mm. They, I just don't really know what to expect from them. 
but they have clearly gotten to a point where they are dangerous and interesting again, right? It, we don't need to be <laughs> we don't need to be pouring one out for this Arkansas season anymore. They they're going to get a chance to rectify it. Will they? I'm not 100 percent sure, which is why they're again they're my wild card. But yeah, they are a different team with Nick Smith. They have figured this out, and it's Eric Musselman in March. The must bus has seats open again. <laughs> They've gone from 27th at Kimpom to 15th in less than a month with, yeah. with Nick Smith back in the back in the lineup. I like that. That's not where they show up for me, but I also kind of think that where they do show up for me is a very is a similar category in a lot of ways. So I will I will hold on to them uh, as well, but agree with everything you said. My biggest wild card is North Carolina. Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because here on February 27th at 8.43 a.m., <laughs> Carolina making the tournament is not a foregone conclusion. But also, if Carolina gets into the tournament, you tell me that they're in the Sweet 16 and they are playing well, and they've beaten a three seed in, in the second round and all of those fun things, I, would, I, I don't have a hard time believing that. Right? I mean... If you like all it takes is those all it takes is those two guards being really good for two weeks right. for them to be in the sweet sixteen. That's all it takes. And but also if you get the wrong two weeks from them right now, then they can be on the outside of the tournament looking in. Right? They just beat Virginia. They have a Florida State game that they absolutely have to win. They get to play Duke at home. That is a win that will help your resume if you get it. But there is very much a road, as, as, as there is a road for them to get to the tournament, there is also a road for them to not get to it. There's an but exit ramp. <laughs> right, there's an exit. But if they get there, there will be exactly zero teams on that list of 68 that want to play North Carolina in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And I think that I, like that is about as good of a definition of a wild card as you can get. Yes. Like that's a team that, that just might not be have one of the 68 best resumes in the country. But it's also a team that you just are you would you would pay to not play. So they're my wild card. And, and also, even if they get in, they're not unless they win the ACC tournament or something, they're not coming in like last season. Right. You just don't know what you're gonna get every single night from them. It's not like right. anything has changed or been fixed. Now, maybe again, maybe they pull off a winning streak here and you start changing that conversation a little bit. Mm-hmm. But as of now, this is still a very flawed basketball team and also a team you don't want to play, which is why they fit very nicely into the wild card category. Yes, sir. Most annoying team to play. UConn. Okay. I have a Big East team as well. Yeah. You know how many losses UConn has since January 25th? Zero? One. Oh. At Creighton. That was a good guess. That was a good yeah, guess. No, you were, you were on track. <laughs> now, the wins aren't that impressive. They had this front-loaded Big East schedule where it just felt like they were playing a top 25 team every night and they lost to most of them, right? Yeah. So then they got to start, you know, start playing the UConn or the the St. John's and the DePaul's of the world and lo and behold, they started picking up wins. Mm-hmm. But just this combination, and it's weird that I am picking, it goes against a lot of what I believe to pick a team that hasn't had NCAA tournament success for this category. <laughs> but there's just something about these UConn teams that I absolutely fall in love with. The size, the length, the physicality, the scoring balance. 
what Jordan Hawkins can do. Obviously, you've got the bigs. They're back on track. I just I want no part of these dudes. Because there was a time when people thought they were the best team in the country, and then they struggled. Everybody kind of forgot about them, and now here they are winning a bunch of games again and looking like a force to be reckoned with come Big East tournament, come NCAA tournament. I like that. They're on the list of those teams that it's it's kind of fun to watch the ebb and flow of how the country feels about teams. Because like mm-hmm. I definitively said it, others definitively said it, that UConn is the best team in the country. Right. And they kind of fell off a cliff. And as a result of of the strength of schedule kind of dwindling later in the season, haven't really come. It's like not like they had a week where they beat they beat Creighton and right, they lost that Creighton game, but they beat Creighton and they beat Xavier, right? Mm-hmm. And to kind of launch themselves back into the conversation, even if it's for a couple days. But it's still a team that's got the I mean, it's not like Adamas Nogo has been bad this year. Right. And that's another team that like if the guards have two good weeks, they can beat anybody in the country. Mm-hmm. My team is Marquette. <laughs> I love it. Because I can't think of anything more annoying than trying to play basketball game with Shaka Smart in a defensive stance literally right next to you. It's like you're getting double teamed. Like if you catch a pass on the wing, it's like you're getting double teamed by by the defender and Shaka Smart behind you. You are getting double teamed. All he's doing is teaching you about the fact that the baseline is a defender. Fair. (laughs) Or the sideline, the (laughs) sideline. Same idea, Um, right? Um. Like every time I watch Marquette, Cam Jones makes like four shots. That I'm like, what the? How did you make that? And then you top it off with Tyler Kolick as the point guard, and you just feel like you should be able to stop Tyler Kolick, and he just kind of does whatever he wants. I can't think of a more annoying. Game. This is this was there. There are a couple categories I filled incredibly quickly. This was one of them. Like I'm Marquette, I'm in. I mean, and it feels a little weird to pick you know the twelfth team at Kempom as your most annoying team. But it also, the more I thought about it, it felt incredibly <laughs> right because Shaka Smart is going to be lower to the floor than any other coach in the oh, entire you know tournament, it. and and that you know, like he might slap the floor, like like he, oh I, like, I, I, I'm confident he's going to slap the floor, lock it in, and and I just can't think of something more annoying to play. And, and on is, top of that, they're a really good basketball <laughs> team, which which is kind of which is kind of just the cherry on top. So Marquette is my team. And and offensively, I feel like they are really annoying because it just doesn't make sense how they do what they do, mm-hmm. right? They're just so smooth and right. Cam Jones hits those couple shots. You go, what in the world just happened? Yeah. What did this do? It, they are just so well. He never drilled. hits and the it, rim either. They're right. always, oh yeah, they're always complete yeah. swishes. Yeah, and it's funny to me because usually you think about this in the context of right. They're gonna, you know, Shaka's team's gonna press you. They're just running havoc all over the place defensively. They just make your life miserable. No, that's yeah. not this Marquette team. They just yeah. run really pretty offense and make shots. Yeah. Right. And Shock is out there trying to get him to play better defense by participating from the sideline. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Team that's most likely to lose in the first weekend. First weekend upset. Kansas State. Oh, that's a good one. I, good I one. wanted to. Keep... I like Chalk with this one as well. So, you know. Okay. The, I wanted to keep this in the ideally a top three seed conversation. That was kind of the the spirit of this. I feel like Tennessee is just too obvious. 
that I went chalk. Tennessee is my is my pick. So, so I just kind of I feel like I'm gonna have to just out of protest pick Tennessee to win their first round game because so many people are gonna pick them to lose. Yeah, but this is first weekend. This isn't this isn't also true. Also true. Yeah, I my concern with Kansas State is a sometimes there are some some issues defensively, but b. Jerome Tang has never prepped as a head coach for an NCAA tournament before. And you're talking about two guys who have never carried this kind of responsibility into an NCAA tournament before with Noel and Keontae Johnson. Right. They're just all new at this. And I think that that, not that I'm actually super concerned about Kansas state, but if I had to talk myself into somebody outside of Tennessee, because to me, Virginia doesn't qualify for this conversation anymore, at least as of this moment with what's happened to them recently. So it was a difficult thing because you're talking about, right, the Marquettes of the world, obviously Kansas, Texas, you know, those kind of teams, Purdue, UCLA. And I I just kind of got to a point where by process of elimination, I had the least confidence in Kansas State. Sure. Because, you know, what what happens if, Noel has a bad night and turns the ball over eight times in the round of 32. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I think any team that that is structured the way that that Kansas State team is can be right. There, there are a couple different ways to be upset prone, mm-hmm. right? It's and and most of the time it's a team like Tennessee that is just so incredibly one-sided in terms of what they do well. Right. And it's just on the wrong night like a team might only need 49 points to beat you. And any team that gets to the tournament can score 49 points on anybody, right? And then the other way to do it is we have this one guy or two guys who kind of are at the focal point of everything we do. And if one of them doesn't play well, things can get a little can get a little dicey, mm-hmm. right? Or if he, or if both of them just play okay, like if both of them have sixteen points, but it takes both of them, it's an inefficient night for both of them. You lose seventy two sixty six, right? And Kansas State falls into that second category. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I mean, I think that's totally fair and kind of builds upon or remains remains true to the to the things we've said about Kansas state throughout the kind of since their arrival on the scene as, as one of the best teams in the country, Tennessee is my team for, for that because they fall into that first category. Um, I've seen enough to be convinced that even Eastern Washington as a 14 seed could beat them in the first round. And especially that six seed that they'll play in the second round, that team can absolutely beat them. So um, kind of by process of elimination, but also I think it's almost irresponsible to to, to talk this category without without putting Tennessee in that conversation, especially <laughs> when talking about you know top three or four seats. The lock for the Sweet Sixteen is UCLA. Oh, okay, good. I was hoping that we'd talk about UCLA at some point because I kind of kept almost putting them in places, but they also like we're just quite not that team that I really wanted to put there so I'm glad you put them here. I'm really starting to talk myself into UCLA. <laughs> to me, they had the fewest 
when I'm looking at your ability to win multiple games in the NCAA tournament to to do what you're supposed to. Fewest mm-hmm. questions of any team in the country. My questions center around can you get to a final four? Can you win a final four game? Can you win a national championship? Mm. Not do I trust you? Because I will mention this again. They don't have a bad loss. Illinois, Baylor, Arizona, USC. Do they have a good win though? They don't have great wins. That would be sure. my pushback. Not, yes. not but that would be my pushback, especially if we were talking like Final Four. If like if you yes. pick them to be most likely to get to the Final Four, that would be my main pushback. Because the right. four best teams, like by definition that they've played this year, and not by definition, they beat Maryland and Kentucky. Those are probably their two best wins. Um which is not but great to build other, your resume around. Right. But the other four teams they've you know, Arizona, USD, Illinois, Baylor, they lost all four of those teams. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But and a couple of, Go ahead. A couple of those losses were early. True. Yep. And yeah, right. That, and that's that's my question is what is your ceiling? Can you go play once you get to an Elite Eight, once you get to a Final Four, can you go beat those teams? Because that's mm-hmm. what we don't know yet. But my my ability to trust you to beat the teams you're supposed to and give yourself an opportunity, feel very, very good about that. Very good. Hmm. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. Yeah, they do they do so many things just really rock solid. Mm-hmm. Right? They have a guy that kind of when you when you check off the list of things that you want the teams that you're banking on in the tournament to do, um, can they are they good on both ends of the floor? Yes. They're the number two defense in the country. And maybe the best on-ball defender in the country. I guess Jaime Hawkeye is like the best two-way guy in the country. He might be. Um, but that guy's capable of being the best player on the floor in most tournament games. 22nd in offensive efficiency. That's plenty good enough. Um, great guard play. Jalen Clark has been great this year. Adam Bona has stepped up and is stepped up in the challenge of you're the guy on the interior. And he's and he stepped up. Um, Amari Bailey hasn't like had that spectacular of a year, but everybody else has been, has been great. And he's been productive. Um, and Dave, David Singleton as well. They just got a lot of really high quality college basketball players. And, and when, it, when we're talking, getting to the sweet 16, you should beat two teams that you're supposed to beat when you're UCLA, who's probably going to end up a two seed. And they've shown that they're pretty, they're pretty much, they, they haven't strayed from that all season. My team is Houston because mm. um, Houston is also a team that <laughs> – I mean, Houston is six points and a weird loss to Temple away from, like, being undefeated. And it really it's one half and a weird Temple game for being undefeated because they mm-hmm. they handled Alabama in that first half and then kind yeah. of the wheels fell off. But, you, you know, it's kind of like like they just win – they win so many games and the track record is there. Like at some point, at some point you just kind of take the team that on paper is a lock to make to the sweet 16. And, and this year right now it's like Alabama or Houston, like UCLA is on this, on that short list as well. But you, you, you know why I won't pick Alabama to be a lock to go to the sweet 16. Right. Mm -hmm. We've talked about that plenty. Um, and when you look at like right is is the AAC any good this year? No, no, it's not. But apart from this weird stinker where they only scored fifty five against Temple, 
like in the year of 2023, the points are 87, 72, 83, 80, 82, 75, 70, 81, 80, 80, 72, 89, 76. Right? It's it's not like and we can go to the other teams that quote unquote have offensive shortcomings. But like Tennessee is 62nd in adjusted offensive efficiency. Houston is fourth. And I know that, like, right, we can have our gripes with some of the Kempom stuff. And, yes, the, the strength of schedule matters. But also, you know, like, you look at Tennessee and they have, you know, the 46-43 win against Auburn. Um, they have, you know, only go, scoring 63 against a battle, miss team, that kind of yeah. that kind of thing. Houston um, and, has and, it twice a season, not once every right. six games. Right. Yeah. And so – that team, I'm pretty confident in making the Sweet 16 and would consider them a lock to do so if they get to play the, the play-in 16 team and, and a nine seed. They would have been my second choice. I I have the slightest 1% worry that, right, they scored 55 points in the second round and lose 58-55. Okay, the, the slightest 1% worry where I was just a smidge more confident in UCLA. But you're absolutely right. They do what they're supposed to every single night. They know how to have success in the tournament. I will be very confidently putting them into the Sweet 16. Yeah. And for what it's worth, here's the... They had the really big dud against Villanova in the lead eight last year. The final score of that game was 50-44. to 44. They scored 82, 68, and 72 in their first three games. And then the year they went to the final four in 21, it was 87 points, 63, 62, 67. So pretty consistently the last two years, if they get to 60, 62 that they're going to find a way to win the game. And, you know, we're talking they, – they, well, they scored 59 against Baylor, but they weren't winning that game anyway, so I don't especially I'm, – I'm not yeah. especially interested in dogging them for that one because they yeah. were going to lose that game. But I'm pretty confident in them to get there. Okay, moving forward, try to hit on these relatively quickly. Most likely Cinderella. T-C-U. Are we totally sure that's a Cinderella? You're probably right. I took this. I told you I was going to do this. I took it a little bit liberally, and sure. so I created my interpretation of basically a team that way outperforms its seed expectation. That I'm talking making the elite eight, making the final four, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Not making the sweet sixteen. And Arkansas has a case. But I still, because of the injuries and because of the conference they play in and the fact that you just have no margin for error every single night, I don't see a team that's going to be more incorrectly seeded because of the circumstances surrounding TCU season. This is a top 15 team in the country. I will hold firm to that. They are not going to be seeded like it because their season hasn't indicated it for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. I... They've got the guard. They've got the big. Jamie Dixon has has done this before. They've got the experience from last season. I'm all in on this. Yeah, to me, this is saying I I expect Elite Eight or better in terms of if I'm picking them to be the most likely Cinderella, that's what I mean by that. Just you're just like showing us the entire farm with your when it comes to the bracket here. Like wherever TCU is, like that to like TCU is gonna win your bracket. Right. Whatever bracket they well, end up in. This is this I is guess a they get to the elite eight. Most likely Cinderella, right? Sure. So I need to see what the bracket looks like. But yes, I'm very high on TCU. 
He said, I need to see what the bracket look like, looks like, but yes, they'll win whatever bracket they're in. <laughs> um, I, went, I went Cinderella in the purest form. Um, Marshall? I went, and, and, and no. <laughs> well played. Um, and I, I cheated a little bit. A little bit. Not a ton. A little bit. But I went with whichever conference USA team makes the tournament. CUSA has a team as high as 30th at Kimpom in Florida Atlantic. And they have two more teams that are in the side, inside the top 58 in North Texas and UAB. All three teams were trendy mid-majors coming into the season. All three of them have delivered. I wish there was a way that I could get multiple of these teams into the tournament. And I suppose there's like a, a slight chance if if Florida Atlantic doesn't win the tournament, but also like they lost, like if they didn't lose to MTSU a week and a half ago, then I'd feel even better about about that possibility. But I think all three of those teams, like they'll be in like the twelve, thirteen seed kind of area. That that's you know the that's the place you want to be if you're if you're trying to find a Cinderella. Um, and all three of them are just like quality quality basketball teams. And I guess Port Atlantic would be, if you maybe pick one of these teams that I would be most likely to kind of put my chips in for, it would be Florida Atlantic. Um, Dusty May has been spectacular. That team is a top 35 offense and a top 45 defense. Like that, those aren't those aren't national title contender numbers, of course, but those are definitely competitive college basketball team. In the NCAA tournament can win several games numbers, and um, they've got the guard play. They've got a, a a deep, deep roster. They've got size that can that can handle teams. Um, they've just got they've got they've got things that that you want a mid-major that might be able to make a run to have. So I kind of went out towards, you know, because I picked a team. I, I, I picked a team that, like, probably needs to win their conference tournament to get in. So, like, mm-hmm. but the more I looked, like, the top of the conference USA is 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 really quality, those top three teams, and led by Florida Atlantic. I would be not happy if I ended up playing one of those teams in the first round and think they're capable of of making some noise. Definitely. And it's one of those things where some teams are, I get kind of frustrated because I feel like we don't separate Cinderella sometimes. Fort Atlantic is just simply one of the 40 best teams in the country. Sure. So to your point, would not be surprised at all, right? If they get the right first round matchup and then all of a sudden something falls right in the second round, 100, at the very least, yeah, they're competing for a spot in the Sweet 16. That's mm-hmm. different than that Florida Gulf Coast team or St. Peter's that nobody thought they had any business, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you, I mean, good luck trying to pick the next one of those teams, right? You just mm-hmm. – it's a 15 seed. Nobody, nobody's going to come out here and say, here's my 15 seed that I really like. But the 12 and 13 seeds, you can actually point to reasons and go, no, they had a really – this is just a legitimately good basketball team that if you put them on the floor against other good, not great high major teams, absolutely they have a chance to win. So. That makes all the sense in the world to me. Thank you. And and you kind of you coined the which team is going to outperform their seed line the most. That a twelve seed FAU 
is is high up on that list for me. Mm-hmm. Sure. National title dark horse. <laughs> I'm hanging on gonna, to hope. Are you about to say are you about to say TCU really quietly again? No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna say Creighton. <laughs> okay. I was pretty sure you were gonna go with Creighton. They are a double overtime loss and a two point loss against Marquette from being 11 and 1 in the last 12 games. And that includes the loss they just had to Villanova when Eric Dixon destroyed them. They are playing really good basketball. It wasn't quite enough to make up for all the ground they lost at the beginning of the season. But if you want a team outside of the top four seeds, I'm, I'm sticking with I'm sticking with this team that's playing better offense, that's great defensively, that has Ryan Kolkbrenner, that is healthy yeah. and playing really good basketball the last couple months. I've talked about this before. You. I don't need to to go over all of it again. I believe in the Blue Jays. <laughs> um, real quick, the my vested interest during conference championship week is Villanova winning the Big East so that they can play in the Ooh, tournament because that is a that. tournament team. Because that is yes. a tournament team with that. With, yep. Yep. That roster healthy, yep. and it's taken them to. It took them too long to get completely healthy, so now the only option is winning that that mm-hmm. conference tournament. Because after their week, I was like, "Do they have a, an at large chance?" They're fifteen and fourteen. They don't have the metrics. It's just not going to happen unless they but, win their conference tournament. Like that is that is priority numero uno on my wish list for mm-hmm. for conference tournament weekend. Is that Villanova wins that tournament so that sure. they can play? Because that is absolutely one of the 45 best teams yes. in the country if that would be if, when they're healthy that would be perhaps the only exception i would ever be okay with the idea of the conference tournament champion getting the automatic bid instead of the regular season champion because mm. you are absolutely right the way they are playing now now that they're fully healthy yes absolutely uh my dark horse here they are here they come uh my dark horse is arkansas um, yeah. when it comes to, when it comes to dark horses, I, 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 when it comes to dark horses, I start with kind of those unofficial benchmarks for what your team needs to be from a ratings perspective to, to be a national title contender. And generally speaking, it's a top 22 defense and like a little worse than that offensively, like a top 30, 35 offense. Right now, Arkansas is 11th in defense and 49th in offense. I also think that Arkansas is just one of the 30 best offenses in the country when Nick Smith is playing. So that's so for me, when he's healthy, that gets them into the box, so to speak, that I need that I would like a team to be in if I'm going to pick them to be a national title dark horse. Um, they're 19 and 10. They're going to be no, but you know, unless they do something crazy and like win the SEC tournament, like they're still not going to get any higher than like sixth, right? We're talking about like that being the ceiling and it's probably eight or nine. That probably is where they end up as a seed. So part of this is right. Like they're going to have to play a one seed way earlier than you'd like a national title contender to have to play one seed. But I think they're much closer to one of the, 16 best teams in the country than they are. And Ken Palm would agree with you mm-hmm. because Ken Palm has them at 15th right now, despite the season that they've had and the injuries and the struggles that, they, that they've that they had. Um, 16th, 
I think they're way closer to the top 16 teams than the top, what is that, the top 32, 36 teams, if you're, you know, talking about an eight seed. Um, and I just, like, what I've seen from healthy Nick Smith, I I think, and what I've seen from Eric Musselman in the tournament, like, those two things I think are are good enough. And there are a lot of really good players on that team, right, mm-hmm. that, have, that have played really well this season. And but none of them are complete game changers like Nick Smith is. And if he can be that guy in the tournament and he's, you know, flanked by Jordan Walsh and flanked by Anthony Black and flanked by Ricky Council. RC3? Um, RC4. Four, sorry. Why did I say three? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> RGE3, but that's the only yeah. thing I can think of. I guess it kind of um, rhymes. It just flowed off my tongue. But... um but a 19 and 10 team that has still managed to be to stay in the top 15 of metrics, <laughs> like typically I'm like, what in the world is going on there? But I kind of like that they're still there. And it's like they're two and three in their last five. It's not even like they're completely rolling. I just think right. the I, I think what we've seen the last week and a half, especially, um, gives me some confidence. And I kind of just hitched my ride to Arkansas here in this in this podcast on in multiple different spots so um so they're my dark horse game last but not least team most likely to make the final four kansas yeah <laughs> I, I will i've got sort of two parts to this one josh is so mad his face is like turning red that he has to that no. he's picking kansas here there's nobody better just Navigating game by game, going through the NCAA tournament, I feel like now, and and particularly just game by game throughout the season as well, and figuring out how to get your team playing the best by the end. Right, you you look up and you go, "Oh, there's Kansas again," mm-hmm. and now it's, "Oh, look, well, Kansas might just end up with the best resume in the country, especially if they win the Big Twelve tournament. You might just have to make them the number one overall seed because how many quad one wins they, they have? They have a preposterous amount of quad yeah. one wins, yeah, like preposterous." And they never, I mean, sometimes, every once in a while, it's around that way. 15 and 5 in quad one this year. Yeah. 10 and Baylor, Texas, Kansas State, by the way, three, two, three, and four in quad ones. Like, Mm -hmm. like in that, in that rankings. But the next closest 10 and 8 with Baylor. Yeah. Every once in a while, (laughs) every once in a while, it's a, it's around a 32 exit, right? Sometimes it happens. But generally, they get to the second weekend. And in a world where there just aren't that many teams you're scared of, now it gets interesting if, for example, they somehow end up in the same bracket with, say, Arkansas and TCU. (laughs) Then this gets... That would be so mean. Yeah, that would be really cool. Especially if they have the number one overall seed and that was the reward. Mm -hmm. This could change depending on the bracket because there are some really interesting teams... And I would throw Creighton into that mix as well. That right injuries and kind of just this weird stretch of the season, these teams aren't going to end up seated where they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. And that's going to change the conversation way more than it normally does. Because I firmly believe all three of those teams can get to the final four. Mm-hmm. But that aside, because we can't worry about that until we actually see a bracket. They just find a way. And the other part of this is I still don't I don't love their national championship hopes at all. Because they have had multiple occasions this season 
where, right, they go up against these other really good teams. Now, part of this is you're just going to lose some. I get that. But it's not like you look at their wins and you go, my goodness, they were just so impressive every single game, right? TCU Mm -hmm. blew the doors off them. They had that stretch where they lost, what was it, three in a row or four in a row? I think it was three. Three, yep. It's not like this resume is built on just consistency from game to game. This resume is built on, my goodness, they just played a bazillion really good teams and they beat most of them. To me, that screams get to a Final Four, not necessarily win a national championship. I do not like their ceiling. To me, there is a real limit on what they can be. But that limit is, you know, playing for a national championship. (laughs) Somebody's going to have to actually beat them. And generally speaking, when it comes to this time of the year, you don't beat Kansas. Yeah, you know who's only lost once in the Big 12 since January 28th? Kansas. Yeah. Like, they just just don't... They don't lose Big 12 games with any sort of regularity. Like, they haven't lost since February 6th, and every chance anyone gets to talk about how good the Big 12 is, they talk about how good the Big 12 is. Like, mm-hmm. two, three, and four on this li- on the list of quad one wins are all Big 12 awesome. games. Right. And Kansas has won seven in a row, including wins against Texas, Baylor, and TCU, one of those being on the road. And they won three. Other, they won two other road games in that stretch too. Wasn't always pretty, right? But they get they get it done. Yeah, this this stretch has been relatively pretty though. Eighty eight eighty against Texas, seventy eight fifty five Oklahoma, eighty seven seventy six against Oklahoma State. They dropped eighty seven on Baylor's forehead. The sixty three fifty eight win at TCU was just vintage Kansas finding yes. a way to win a, a Big Twelve game. Right. Mm-hmm. And and then you know they escape West Virginia seventy six yeah. seventy four and they the have I mean even so. that Baylor game right that was an atrocious first half a brilliant second yeah. half fifty five twenty six I think yeah so so it, it's not it's not quite as rock solid and I also just think this is a year where like if you'd have gone way off the map and said I there's not a team that I think that <laughs> I feel great enough to put most likely to make the final four, I suppose like there is a team even among the, like the right. not right. The not so sure teams. That's the most likely, but um, like they just might be better than every other team in the country. Like they just might be. And their top 20 offensive and defensive efficiency coach who's been there before they can get it from several different places on any given night, but also Jalen Wilson can be the best player on any four in the entire country mm-hmm. and are hot. They're rolling. And that the, all of those combinations combined with just Kansas is that team that seems to figure it out more times than not. And also when you look at the conversation about which other, what other teams might be on this list, Right. Alabama, we've talked Houston. about. Houston, we've talked about. Purdue, Texas, I think is also like sneaky high on this list. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when, you, but then you look everywhere else, and all the other teams that you might go with are like kind of don't fit the bill for one reason or another. Right? Tennessee's offense, Arizona Marquette's defense, um, Baylor's defense. Um, you just kind of you just kind of go down the list, and yeah, I think I think they're just I think they're really I think they're really good, and weirdly enough, I think they might be better than people think they are. 
Yeah, and that's where I'm not I'm not sold on that. To me, I see this as last year's team was better than people gave them credit for. Right? That became clear by the end of the season. That those dudes were just that good. Yeah, I kind of I've, feel like that's how every national title team goes. And that's and that's kind of get you kind of get to the end. It's like, how did we not know that Villanova team wasn't was going to win right. the, the yeah, national championship? Yeah, yeah. And you just don't talk have midseason conversations about Kansas going. Look, if their two guys don't, if their three guys don't score, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. They just kind of fall flat. Now, Dewan Harris yeah. was was struggling during that stretch, and he he got himself back to looking like himself. That's a part of the reason why they've been so good is he's back to being brilliant Dewan Harris mm-hmm. I, I just see this as more of a right there was that stretch where Kansas made a bunch of sweet 16 a bunch of elite age a bunch of final fours between the two natties and just kind of hit a roadblock there where mm-hmm. there was always whether it was Duke or North Carolina or Gonzaga or who um, I don't even remember who they played in all those right Villanova there was just that team that ultimately was a smidge better. I feel like that's what's going to happen again this season. Where last season there was not that team, and if that team existed, that team didn't get to the national championship game, so Kansas didn't have to play. And I think the last thing you said might be true this year. I think that the teams that might be better than Kansas might just not make it that far, and that, that is entirely possible, right? Because if if you give them another North Carolina esque team, you got to feel pretty good about their chances. I'm with you on that mm-hmm. part. That's all I've got. The other thing I was going to say... Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, what else you got? <sighs> what was Brandon Miller thinking? Uh, what What was Alabama thinking? We don't need to uh, go in-depth on this, but once again, do they even care about optics at this point? Uh, he should be individually responsible for that. He is an adult. He should know better. Everybody involved in the program. Not adult. Not adult. 18. Not adult. Legally. Stop it. (laughs) I agree with you, though. He is old enough. You're clearly giving him too much credit, though. And even if you if you want to pull that card out as an excuse for Brandon Miller, what is the rest of that university and the people within the men's basketball program doing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I promise. Hey, you, yeah, that yeah, wasn't yeah. meant to be an excuse. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, that, that wasn't at you. That was just generally if you want to chop that up to to Brandon Miller's immaturity. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once again, it's really hard to believe you care when this is the kind of behavior that's going out there. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have a ton else to add. And we talk, totally we'll go listen sure. to the last pod. We talked about it for 50 minutes. Yeah. I got nothing else. You got anything else? No. Got to get prepared for the last week of the season here. Let's do it. Please subscribe to the Jays for Jays podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Jays for Jays pod. Twitter, TikTok, YouTube. Thank you. Please and thank you kindly. We'll be back next week. Not next week. On Thursday. It's Monday, so we'll be back on Thursday. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. And we will see you later.